We are on the third, is it the third lesson? Yeah, we are on the third lesson of the summer quarter. Last week I said the fall quarter, which was wrong. The title of the lesson is False Prophets and Idolatrous Elders. We will be covering Ezekiel chapters 13 through 17. So, Lord, we thank you for Ezekiel. This first 24 chapters is all judgment on Judah, and it's a, it's like a battering ram coming at us. And a battering ram really did come after them. Uh, but we need to hear it. And so we, we pray that we would uh, understand this teaching about false prophets and idolatry in the leaders and pray that we might learn to keep our eyes on you. So we pray for the Holy Spirit to give us understanding of this part of Ezekiel. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so the part they skip is at the end of the lesson this time. So the first section is false prophets are denounced. And that is chapter 13, verses 1 through 16. Shall I read that first part? All right, I'll read that first part. So Ezekiel chapter 13, verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who prophesy, and say to those who prophesy from their own inspiration, Listen to the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Woe to the foolish prophets who are following their own spirit and have seen nothing. O Israel, your prophets have been like foxes among ruins. You have not gone up into the breaches. Nor did you build the wall around the house of Israel to stand in the battle on the day of the Lord. They see falsehood and lying divination who are saying, The Lord declares, when the Lord has not sent them. Yet they hope for the fulfillment of their word. Did you not see a false vision and speak a lying divination when you said, The Lord declares, but it is not I who have spoken? Therefore thus says the Lord God, because you have spoken falsehood and seen a lie, therefore, behold, I am against you, declares the Lord God. So my hand will be against the prophets who see false visions and utter lying divinations. They will have no place in the council of my people, nor will they be written down in the register of the house of Israel, nor will they enter the land of Israel, that you may know that I am the Lord God." It is definitely because they have misled my people by saying peace when there is no peace. And when anyone builds a wall, behold, they plaster it over with whitewash. So tell those who plaster it over with whitewash that it will fall. A flooding rain will come, and you, O hailstones, will fall, and a violent wind will break out. Behold, when the wall has fallen, will you not be asked, where is the plaster with which you plastered it? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will make a violent wind break out in my wrath. There will also be in my anger a flooding rain and hailstones to consume it in wrath. So I will tear down the wall, which you plastered over, 
with whitewash and bring it down to the ground so that its foundation is laid bare. And when it falls, you will be consumed in its midst, and you will know that I am the Lord. Thus I will spend my wrath on the wall and on those who have plastered it over with whitewash, and I will say to you, the wall is gone and its plasterers are gone, along with the prophets of Israel who prophesy to Jerusalem and who see visions of peace for her when there is no peace, declares the Lord God. Okay. So this is now the third of five messages by Ezekiel. The first was in uh, chapter 12, verse 23 through 25. And that's the one where the people in Jerusalem had a proverb saying that um, the days are long and every vision fails. So they're saying, you know, these prophecies of Ezekiel will, will not come to pass. And God said, well, they will come to pass. And the second one was chapter 12, verses 26 through 28, where they said, even if they do come to pass, they won't come to pass for many, many years. And then the Lord said, they will come to pass very quick. And it was in less than six years they were going to come to pass. So that was the first two of those messages. This is the third now. And it's about the uh, false male prophets. Our lesson is going to be about false male prophets and false prophetesses, false female prophets. So, in verse 2, he says, this is after verse 1 says, The word of the Lord came to me. He says, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who prophesy, and say to those who prophesy from their own inspiration, listen to the word of the Lord. So the source of their prophecies was not God. The source of their prophecies are themselves. We have people like that today, where the source of prophecies are from themselves. They say, God told me this, or God told me that. Or I have a word for you from the Lord. Yes. And you and you scour the Bible for their word that they give you, and it is not to be found. You know, I mean, the one that really struck me in recent years was about when uh, Joe Biden won the presidency. And you would see, you know, so-called Christian Christians on on social media and on YouTube prophesying that, you know, President Trump would rise up and these bad people would be taken out and put in jail and all this stuff, prophesying. And uh, you scour the Bible back and forth, you will not see that. <laughs> you know, those were false prophets who were saying that. And, uh, you know, so anyway, in this, what we're looking about here, the false prophets of Israel were saying that the Lord was going to stop the king of Babylon. That's what their false prophet prophecies were about. And the Lord says, this is your own imagination. So verse 3 through 5, the Lord says, Woe to the foolish prophets who are following their own spirit and have seen nothing. 
and God compares them to foxes among ruins. Apparently foxes feel like ruins are a good place to live. And the Lord is comparing the false prophets to these foxes as, you know, Jerusalem is going to be in ruins, and the false prophets are saying this is going to be a good place to live. It's okay to live in degeneration, basically. So they did not build Israel to stand by calling to return to the Mosaic law, the false prophets. They were just saying, oh, it's going to be okay. Jerusalem was full of sin at this time. And they their failure was to not tell people to turn back to the Mosaic law. That is what Jeremiah was doing. You know, that's what Ezekiel is doing. That's what all the prophets did. All the time, they always called people and kings back to the Mosaic law in the Old Testament. So then in verse 8, it says, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have spoken falsehood and seen a lie, therefore, behold, I am against you. How would you feel if the Lord told you he was against you? I'd feel scared <laughs> if the Lord told me he was against me. Now, in the New Testament, in the church age, the Lord does say that if you're pr prideful, he is against you, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I hate to bring this up, but I think it's so obvious, you know, about our former president, President Trump. He did a lot of good things in office, but he was so proudful, prideful. His ego was, you know, humongous, and it's still that way. God opposes the proud. Now you see what's happening. He's indicted twice. He's ready to get indicted a third time, you know. He has 700 lawyers coming after him with pitchforks. That's, I think... Because of his pride. God opposes the proud. Yeah. Because it is preparing for the tribulation. It is preparing America for the tribulation. But, um, yeah, that is why when you hear someone say, I predict, or the Lord said something, scour your Bible and see if it is consistent. So, Jeremiah 28 there was a false prophet in Jerusalem. It says, Now in the same year, in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year, in the fifth month, Hananiah, the son of Azur, the prophet, who was from Gibeon, spoke to me, to Jeremiah, in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests, and all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two years I am going to bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried to Babylon. So he made a prophecy. He said, the Lord told him this, that all the vessels that King Nebuchadnezzar took were going to be brought back to Jerusalem. Well, the outcome of that prophecy is found later in the same chapter of Jeremiah. 
In verse 15 it says, Then Jeremiah the prophet said to Hananiah the prophet, Listen now, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, and you have made this people trust in a lie. Therefore thus says the Lord, Behold, I am about to remove you from the face of the earth. This year you are going to die, because you have counseled rebellion against the Lord. So Hananiah the prophet died in the same year, in the seventh month. That was two months after he said this. Yeah. So it's uh, not good for your health to be a false prophet. So back to our uh, lesson in verse 9 of Ezekiel, chapter 13. It says, So my hand will be against the prophets who see false visions and utter lying divinations. That's why you don't, you know, people shouldn't be prophets now. The prophecies are found written down in Scripture. Those are the prophecies. And um, the Lord is against you when you make up things and say it came from God. So they will have no place in the council of my people, nor will they be written down in the register of the house of Israel, nor will they enter the land of Israel, that you may know that I am the Lord God. So these are the punishments that the Lord will impose on false prophets. It says they will have no place in the council of my people. You know, the prophets talk to the kings of Israel. They talk to the leaders of Israel. You know, the elders in Babylon were coming to Ezekiel, who was a true prophet, to get advice from him. But the false prophets would have no place among the council of the people of Israel nor they would not be written down in the register of the house of Israel. They would not be recorded as being part of Israel. They would be left out. And they would not enter the land of Israel. So when the Israelites returned from the captivity, the false prophets would not return. That is what God is telling them here. So, um, again, it's a dangerous thing to be a false prophet. Verse 10, it is definitely because they have misled my people by saying peace when there is no peace. And when anyone builds a wall, behold, they plaster it over with whitewash. What, what do you think that phrase means? They plaster it over with whitewash. Yeah, they're telling lies to make the people feel good. What they should be saying is turn back to the Mosaic law. Listen to the Mosaic Law. Read it and obey it. That is how you obtain blessing from the Lord. You know, you're saved from eternally by believing in the Lord. And you're blessed when you listen to his word and obey it. That's what they should have been telling them. But they were saying, oh, it's going to be okay. <laughs> you know? And we'll get the vessels from the temple back. And this will all be over in a year or two. That is um, plastering over a structure which has faulty construction. Okay, then verse 12, Behold, when the wall has fallen, will you not be asked, where is the plaster with which you plastered it? So the people that they're talking to will say, you said this would happen, and it did not happen, and instead... 
they came and they tore down our city and burned the temple and burned everything. And <laughs> you're lying to us. That's what they will say. They will ask, why did your prophecies fail? Well, your prophecies failed because the Lord did not give them to you. So anyway, that is why we are to test the spirits. You know, uh, Christians in general are very, are pretty gullible. They're pretty gullible. They'll believe what they hear, you know. And uh, especially if it has some Christian language associated with it, they'll believe what they hear. We're not to do that. The Bible tells us very specifically not to do that. We're to listen and then check it against the Bible and see, does this correspond with what the Bible actually does say? And deception is getting worse and worse. And so we need to be in the Bible more and more to be able to recognize it. Deception in the church is getting worse and worse. Okay, so that's the false prophets denounced. Anything else about that? You want to be on the watch out, on the watch for people who say, I have a message from God for you. The ones that I would listen to are the ones that have their Bible open as they're saying it. And they are telling you from Scripture things that are prophetic. Okay. And, you know, I there's these prophecy shows that say we can see things you know, they don't say they're the fulfillment of prophecies. I listen to one every week by uh, Andy Woods. He says these have prophetic significance because they're preparing things for these prophecies. These things have to be in place for these prophecies to come to pass. Um, I would listen to people like that. But anyway, moving on to the next section, section B, false prophetesses condemned. And that's verses 17 through 23. Somebody want to read that section? Okay, thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. So these are now female prophetesses, and notice that they're occultic. They, they are magic charms. Oh, really? Yeah, and things like that. So... Again, these are from their own inspiration. Verse 17 says, Now you, son of man, set your face against the daughters of your people who are prophesying from their own inspiration, prophesy against them. So they have not heard from God. They're making things up. Prophesy against them. So now should we reject all prophecies? No, we should not. 1 Thessalonians, this is to the church, says, Do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. So, no, we don't reject prophetic utterances, but the prophetic utterances that uh, Paul is talking about here, you know, when he wrote this down to the Thessalonian church, uh, the office of prophet was still open, and prophets were receiving messages from the Lord that they were speaking in the churches before the close of the New Testament. At, in our day, 
the prophetic utterances we should be listening to are from Scripture, because there is are prophecies that have yet to be fulfilled in Scripture. Those are the ones that we are to pay attention to. And um, if people come up with a prophecy, we should ch- check it very carefully in Scripture and say, does that uh, coincide with that? Verse 18 says, And say, Thus says the Lord God, Woe to the women who sew magic bands on all wrists and make veils for the heads of persons of every stature to hunt down lives. Will you hunt down the lives of my people, but preserve the lives of others for yourselves? So these women are basically uh, what we would today call fortune tellers, tarot card readers. They were occultic. Uh, these magic bands were thought to be, originate in Babylon, and they were magic charms, is what they were. So they were demonically inspired. And I have something from the quarterly. No, I have the NASB. The NASB. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, there the the uh, translation is a little uh, different, but um, the the quarterly said these women were willing participants in evil, like fortune tellers, psychics, and spiritualists today. They made a profit by preying on people's curiosities and fears. So they did it for the money. They made up things and told people things, and they did it for the money. Um. Verse 19 tells us what they were getting. Of course, in Jerusalem, you know, it was under siege and that sort of thing. I think at this time it wasn't under siege, but they did it for handfuls of barley and fragments of bread. That was their price. For handfuls of barley and fragments of bread, you have profaned me to my people to put to death some who should not die and to keep others alive who should not live by your lying to my people who listen to lies. So they would put people to death, probably people who were righteous, who were following the law, and got scared and confused and went to one of these ladies. And so they would die in their sin, because that was sin, to go to these people. And keep others alive who should not live because they would not tell people to turn back to the Mosaic Law. And that is how they were; they would save their life. And they all did it for income. So verse 20 says, Therefore thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against your magic bands, by which you hunt lives there as birds, and I will tear them from your arms, and I will let them go, even those lives whom you hunt as birds. So the Lord is going to destroy these false prophetesses, So he will uh, free the people that they're ensnaring. And then, um, so in general, the Lord is against occultism, of course. He was against occultism then because occultism is demonic. He was against it then, he's against it today. You know, the Wiccans are involved in occultism. It is demonic. Um, the tarot card readers, it's demonic. Uh, even Ouija boards, you know, are used by, are 
have a demonic source behind them, and um, we want to avoid that sort of thing because Satan is the master of deceit. And even Christians can be deceived uh, if we mess around with this stuff. Instead of messing around with the demonic, we put on the full armor of God every day. Okay? And we do that through the Word of God. That tells us what to do and, and helps us defend against evil. So then verse uh, 21 through 23, I will also tear off your veils. Uh, the the um, commentary that I was looking at said the veils, they wore like kind of to be mysterious. They would have veils on and things like that. And you know, when you go to a fortune teller, they're all dressed up all mysterious like, you know, to put in the mystery over it. So I will also tear off your veils and deliver my people from your hands. They will no longer be in your hands to be hunted. And you will know that I am the Lord. Because you disheartened the righteous with falsehood when I did not cause him grief, but have encouraged the wicked not to turn from his wicked way and preserve his life. Therefore, you women will no longer see false visions or practice divination. Divination also is a, a pagan practice, an occultic practice. And I will deliver my people out of your hand. Thus you will know that I am the Lord. So their practices would end when the Lord sent Babylon because they would be in the slave line on the way to Babylon with their petty hills. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, okay, isn't this uplifting? <laughs> Can you read where it says pillows? Read a verse where it mentions pillows and I'll... Let's see if I can see. Okay. I'm really confused what that means. Yeah, they, the King James has translated magic bands. Magic bands? In the Hebrew, it is bands. They have translated bands, bands. as this is the pillows. King James here. Yeah. So the NASB translates it, Woe to the women who sew bands on all wrists and make veils for the heads. So the, the pillows are bands. Bands. It's totally a different yes, concept. it is. And the translator in the NASB added the word magic. So magic it, yeah, yeah. So it's not in the Hebrew. That means they've added it in. They they were occultic bands that you wore on your wrist. On your on all wrists. So so yeah. You know, when you don't know, you, you got to go back to the Hebrew and say, okay, what did they really say? Right. And, um, yeah, this word was only used once in the Hebrew Bible. I wrote down somewhere what it, the oh, yeah. Is, oh, this yeah, it's not a pillow, it's a band. It's <laughs> totally different in English. Yeah, the Hebrew is kasatout. Kasatout. No. <laughs> I can't. I have it, you know, written as a... It's Kasathouth. Kasathouth. It's like a good luck charm. It's a good luck charm. Yeah, it's occultic. So it's like a rabbit's foot, you know? Okay. Something like that. Occultic. Oh, yeah. They get deceived 
and they get drawn further in to demonic activity and it will destroy them. Yes, yes. No, it's it's very dangerous because it's there are demons behind this stuff. Yeah. So, okay, so the uh, section C then, we're going to leave the prophets and we're looking at idolatrous elders are repudiated. And that is chapter 14, verses 1 through 11. Then some elders of Israel came to me and sat down before me. And the word of the remember, Ezekiel is still in house arrest. So he's not going out. If the elders want to talk to him, they have to come to his place. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their hearts and have put right before their faces the stumbling block of their iniquity. Should I be consulted by them at all? Therefore speak to them and tell them, Thus says the Lord God, Any man of the house of Israel who sets up his idols in his heart puts right before his face the stumbling block of his iniquity and then comes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will be brought to him. I, the Lord, will be brought to give him an answer in the matter in view of the multitude of his idols in order to lay hold of the hearts of the house of Israel who are estranged from me through all their idols. Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, Repent, and turn away from your idols, and turn your faces away from all your abominations. For anyone of the house of Israel, or of the immigrants who stay in Israel, who separates himself from me, sets up his idols in his heart, puts right before his face the stumbling block of his iniquity, and then comes to the prophet to inquire of me for himself, I, the Lord, will be brought to answer him in my own person. I will set my face against that man, and will make him a sign and a proverb, and I will cut him off from among my people. So you will know that I am the Lord. But if the prophet is prevailed upon to speak a word, it is I, the Lord, who have prevailed upon that prophet and I will stretch out my hand against him and destroy him from among my people Israel. They will bear the punishment of their iniquity, as the iniquity of the inquirer is, so the iniquity of the prophet will be, in order that the house of Israel may no longer stray from me and no longer defile themselves with all their transgressions. Thus they will be my people, and I shall be their God, declares the Lord God. Okay, so... um. The elders in Babylon came to Ezekiel as he couldn't go out. And that's verse 1. And they were probably wondering about the length of their captivity. You know, how long are we going to be stuck here in Babylon? And verse 2, then the word of the Lord came to him. And it said, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their hearts and have put right before their faces the stumbling block of their iniquity. Should I be consulted by them? So in Babylon, the idolatry was more subtle than in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, they had idols all over, everywhere, and they were worshiping them. You know, one of the visions that we saw a week or two ago, even in the temple, they were worshiping idols openly. And here it says, these men have put idols in their hearts. Okay, so it's not open. And uh, do we do that today? We can. 
So this is from the quarterly. It is easy for some Christians today to criticize the Israelites for worshiping idols instead of the true God. However, idolatry still exists today. It even tempts some believers. Instead of idols made of wood and stone, modern idols may be things like wealth, power, or the pursuit of pleasure. An idol is anything that takes God's place in our heart or supplants the Lord as the ultimate source of security. So yeah, we can have idols in our hearts too, if we're not careful. So verse 4, Therefore speak to them and tell them, Thus says the Lord God, Any man of the house of Israel who sets up his idols in his heart, puts right before his face the stumbling block of his iniquity, and then comes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will be brought to give him an answer in the matter in view of the multitude of his idols. So what is he saying there? He says, okay, you're, you have put in your heart something above me, and then you go to the true prophet, Ezekiel, and ask him advice. God himself will show up, and it will be in judgment on you. A bad something bad will happen to you. So the the they are setting up idols in their hearts. They're trusting things in their mind, okay, that are not God. And while they do that, they go to the true prophet and ask him for a message from God. God says, if you do that, the prophet will not answer you but I will answer you, and it will be a judgment on you. That's how you will know that, that I am the Lord, you know. Yeah. Heavy duty. Yeah. If, if, you, if you are involved in idolatry and you, you know, and the, a very common idol today is money. If you depend on money for your security, of course, this is a different dispensation. I think the Lord is more lenient on us nowadays than he was in the time of the Mosaic Law. Um, but, you know, so they put their security in something other than him, and then they go ask the prophet something. The Lord will judge them. And then why does he do that? The reason he does that is verse 5, in order to lay hold of the hearts of the house of Israel, who are estranged from me through all their idols. God's goal is to bring people back to him. That's his goal in doing this. So, and this is another thing from the quarterly. God called for his people to repent. In scripture, the basic idea in repentance is to change one's mind about something. It involves seeing things from God's point of view rather than from the sinful perspective of the world. Repentance means to change your mind. That's what repentance means. Yeah, verse 6 says, Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, Repent, turn away from your idols, and turn your faces away from all your abominations. So, um, the Hebrew word for repent is shuv. Shuv means to turn back. Shuv. The Greek word is metanoia. 
metanoia. Meta, it's a compound word. Meta is to change, like metamorphosis. Noia means uh, notion or thought. So metanoia, change your thought, change your mind. It is a synonym to believe. When people say, when Peter says, repent and believe in the gospel, that's the same thing as saying, believe in Jesus Christ. Because when you believe in Jesus Christ, you have changed your mind about where your security lies, right? The unsaved think, thinks that Jesus has nothing to do with them. They don't even think about him at all. When they look for security, they look to money. They look to, you know, uh, someone to take care of them, some person, uh, something like that. They don't think about Jesus at all. When the Holy Spirit convicts you of the sin of not believing in Jesus and you change your mind about that, that is the moment you are eternally saved. Because that's how you get saved. To trust in Jesus who has paid for all of your sins. And after you're saved, the Holy Spirit works in your heart as you read the Bible to convict you of certain sins. You're doing certain sins. The Holy Spirit convicts you and you change your mind about that activity. Right? And you say, okay, that is not a good thing. That is a bad thing. I will stop doing that. Or you change your mind about the fact that, you know, people, um, a lot of Christians will say that going to church is unimportant. It doesn't matter. I worship the Lord on my own. You know, I've heard that I don't know how many times. Well, if they read Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, where it says, you shall not stop meeting together, the Holy Spirit will use that to convict them that not attending church is a sin. And so they will change their mind if they're responsive to the Holy Spirit, and they will start to go to church. You know, And that's how we're sanctified. We're sanctified after we're saved, as the Holy Spirit works in us, using the Bible as we read it, to convict us and make us repent or change our mind about certain activities. And that is how the Lord conforms us into his image, because we start to act more and more like Jesus as we submit to, the, to these uh, urgings of the Holy Spirit. That's how we grow. So in verses 7 and 8, for anyone of the house of Israel or of the immigrants who stay in Israel who separates himself from me, sets up idols in his heart, puts right before his face the stumbling block of his iniquity, and then comes to the prophet to inquire of me for himself, I, the Lord, will be brought to answer him in my own person. So he's saying the same thing again. Now, verse 8 is a little confusing. No, that's not. It's verse 9. So he says, I will set my face against that man, and it will make him a sign and a proverb, and I will cut him off from among my people, so you will know that I am the Lord. So if you have the idols in your heart, you go to a true prophet, the Lord will judge you, and it says, I will cut him off. That is a 
euphemism for death. The Lord will take your life. Then in verse 9, he says, But if the prophet is prevailed upon to speak a word, it is I, the Lord, who have prevailed upon that prophet. Now, this prophet, so you have idols in your heart. You go to the prophet, and he's and he will give you a prophecy. The Lord says, I have prevailed upon, upon the prophet, and I will stretch out my hand against him, the prophet, and destroy him from among my people, Israel. So but if you go if you have a bunch of idols in your heart, you go to a prophet, ask him advice, he gives you advice, he is a false prophet. A true a true prophet will not. <laughs> The true prophet will only tell you to turn back to the Mosaic law. So a false prophet will answer, and so both the prophet and the inquirer will die. So that's pretty heavy. Yeah, and the whole idea of it is verse 11. In order that the house of Israel may no longer stray from me and no longer defile themselves with all their transgressions. Thus they will be my people, and I shall be their God. So restoration is God's goal in all of this. God's goal in all of this is restoration. You know, Israel was to be his witness nation, and they were just doing a terrible job of it, and he was trying to restore them. So that's all the quarterly covers. Now there's... Some that the quarterly doesn't cover, which I'll briefly summarize for you. Any questions about that? Yeah. False prophets are bad, and idolatry is bad. <laughs> so chapter 14, 12 through 23, God said, Three very righteous men, Samuel, Daniel, and Job, if they were in Jerusalem, they could not save anyone other than themselves. They could not save their children. He then said the few that would come to Babylon after the fall of Jerusalem would show this to be true. So that the exiles who came to Babylon after Jerusalem fell would be very evil people. So that they, the exiles in Babylon would understand that God was justified in what he did to Jerusalem. So that's the rest of chapter 14. The rest of chapter 15 is a parable. It uh, pictures Jerusalem as a vine which should be bearing fruit, but it does not bear fruit, and whose wood is only good for nothing. So the vine is to produce the fruit of righteousness, and just like we are to produce the fruit of righteousness as we abide in Jesus who is the vine we are to produce the fruit of righteousness and so since the wood of a vine is not good for anything the only thing to do with it is burn it so the fire of the Babylonians will consume Jerusalem that is the parable of chapter 15 chapter 16 is the parable of the adulterous wife so Jerusalem here is pictured as a rejected city 
its father was an Amorite and its mother was a Hittite. So the commentary said that this was pre-Israel. Jerusalem was there before Israel took it over as its capital. And uh, they were Jebusites. Okay, so they were some of the Canaanites. The Lord caused Jerusalem to live because Jerusalem was like a baby that was unwanted by its parents and it was thrown out, not taken care of when it was born. It was squirming in its blood. And uh, God saw it and took pity on it. And David made it the capital of Israel in 2 Samuel 5. And then Israel or Jerusalem grew and became beautiful, and this was during the reigns of David and Solomon, became like a queen. It was royal, it was beautiful. And Solomon in particular, you know, ruled over vassal states up to the Euphrates. And uh, so it became a queen during David and Solomon's reign, and then because of its beauty and wealth, it turned to idolatry. And that happened in the toward the end of Solomon's reign. Solomon himself turned to idolatry and began to sin. And eventually the sin became even worse than Sodom in Jerusalem and Samaria, including child sacrifice. And then chapter 16 says, Jerusalem will be restored. That is in the millennium. And that's the end of chapter 16 as a parable. Then there's one more parable. Chapter 17, this is the parable of two eagles and a vine. An eagle plucked the topmost branch. The eagle was Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. The topmost branch was Jehoiachin, who was the king of uh, Judah at the time. Jehoiachin was taken to Babylon. That was when Ezekiel went. And then the eagle, whose Nebuchadnezzar planted some seed, and that is the installation of Zedekiah as king, as his vassal. Well, a second eagle, Pharaoh, tempted Zedekiah to rebel against Babylon. And in doing this, he was rebelling against the Lord. Because the Lord had said, you will be subject to Babylon. That's what Jeremiah said. So when Zedekiah rebelled against Babylon, he was rebelling against the Lord. So in uh, Babylon, it was prophesied Zedekiah would die. And that was the end of chapter 17. And that's it. So Lord, we thank you for these. Uh, we thank you that you interpret these parables for us, that we know what they mean. And we pray that you would keep us from idols also in our hearts and keep us away from fortune tellers and things like that and false prophets today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah,